Welcome everyone to episode 111 here on the Proven Knowledge Podcast. This is the Creator Series. Today we had another part two episode with my buddy Focused out of Toronto, Canada. He was actually on episode 11 back in 2020 and I was glad to reconnect with him this week. Uh, I kind of just let him go and give a full recap of really a little bit of his career again for those that might not have heard the first time we uh, interviewed. And I also let him do a recap of AM Grinding, the process behind that album and kind of you know, what led into creating that whole thing that came out during the pandemic. Uh, He's got visuals for a couple songs. He talked about that. He talked about his experiences traveling the world and meeting new people and working with his close collaborators. Obviously, uh, me and him have worked on several different things. I've sent him a lot of beats. And he talked about getting into his next album with those close collaborators and also working on some of the beats I sent him. Uh, which I'm looking forward to hearing that when it comes out. Not sure how the audio of this episode came out. I think my mic was like half unplugged for most of this episode. Um, So I apologize for any inconveniences with that. I think most of it should come through. So hopefully you guys still get a lot out of it and hear focused uh, his story and everything and, you know, where he's been. I really admire him for, you know, sticking with music through everything he's been through and really just being an inspiration to a lot of different people. So without further ado... Let's get into the episode. All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode 111 here on the Proven Knowledge Podcast. Today, we have another part two uh, episode, and it's the guest who was actually on episode 11. So 100 episodes later, here we are again out of Toronto, Canada. Uh, my man, Focused, is here. How are you, man? Hey, I'm great, man. That's look a century. A century. It, it's crazy. I, I looked at it today. I had I had to go back and I was like, he was on probably like episode ten or something, and it said eleven. And I was like, this is episode one eleven. So it's just like great timing. It's it's literally divine timing. But it's been you know pretty much two years now. Um, so for those that might not have heard that first episode, kind of give like a recap. You know who you are, what you do. Um, pretty much the basic information once again for those that might not know, you know who you are. Uh, yeah, I find that funny that the numbers kind of fall in line too. I'm like a kind of a, a lyricist MC who floats around. I just kind of like that's where I get my ideas from, and I kind of just when I don't take life too seriously, I think that's where all my inspiration comes from. I just enjoy myself, mm-hmm. and then. Um, yeah, so I'm a Toronto-based artist, West End Toronto, named Focus. Uh, short story, I, uh, I met a young fellow in North Bay when we were like 19, and he was this amazing <clears throat> lyricist, unbelievable, like Snoop Dogg, this skinny, redhead kid from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. He just like had this unbelievable flow, and he had just this amazing passion just to rap, right? So we went out one night and he and he played at an open mic and I was just like, well, that's amazing. I want to do what he's doing and be involved with him no matter what. So we hit the radio labs, we made music. Uh, fast forward ten years later, I decided to be a solo MC. You know, we you know we had fun together. Uh, me and my buddy we grew. I kind of like helped to develop, uh, produce, uh, like a, I booked shows for him. Uh, basically did all the other stuff besides being the actual talent, right? Mm-hmm. right? So I kind of got a, a bit of experience of, you know, like everything uh, before even being an MC, like officially. So I kind of 
kind of came into the game late, but I, I like I peppered myself a little bit with, with emceeing and toying with it. But it didn't really hit me until like 30 years old. So I was a really, really late, late bloomer into the game. And um, the G20 in Toronto kind of set me off. I wasn't really, I didn't know what kind of uh, artist I wanted to be, really. I just didn't, I just knew I had some feeling in, you know, into rap, and I just wanted to figure out how to do it. I just couldn't figure out yet. I just, I wasn't good at it. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't even enjoy my voice, right? So it's like there's some big, huge hurdles that I had to get over right away. But I knew how I, to make good hip-hop. Like I knew I proved myself to do that. So um, so there's nothing wrong with that there. And I just knew it was going to come with time. And I went to the G20, and I'm kind of, you know, a, a long-standing videographer. So that's my background. It's like I've been a camera operator for about 20 years. I've worked in sports and live TV. And so I have like a huge, uh, wide range experience of videography and editing and, and all that asset to, you know, as well as the art part of uh, music as well. So I do all my own videos, been doing all my own music videos since 19. And I did all of uh, this guy's videos too. So his name is Cap, And actually I gave him that name um, and had all these other different names, which is was hit and miss, right? Hmm. We're all young, right? Whatever. <laughs> and um, and then we we're just chilling one day in, in the dorm. We went to college together. We have in North Bay, Ontario. Um, and he's just like, man, you're you're focused. You're just like always like we. He's like we're a team, you know. He's like I do this, like I we do the, the music part. He's like you just like fill in the blanks, and just like run an agenda. And him and I together, just kind of like developed this like little, you know, uh, no limit master P hustle up in North Bay, right? Mm. And uh, that was right around the time all of that music exploded and he just like he was like a funnel to me of rap music, everything hip hop and, and I already liked one genre of not really one genre of hip hop, but that was like more of like more to like New York style hip hop and like you know, I heard Biggie and uh, Doggy style, like very early from a friend here, went to New York or something. Like, and so I was influenced like that. But then when I met my buddy, he's like, just blew my mind with like all this shit, from no limit, and like mystical and all this fuck. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is like totally expanded my mind. And then he introduced me to like southern music and like him and I just really love West Coast music and and he just like opened my eyes to like the way rap was perceived, you know, because, like, for for me, in the 90s, it was, like, oh, it's maybe just, like, New York, and it's, like, one kind of, like, you know, uh, eyepiece, of, or looking glass, or looking old, just through rap, and then he, he maybe showed me, like, this eclectic array of, like, oh, anybody, like, this is, like, all for everybody, mm-hmm. and this is, like, you know, it comes in so many shapes and forms, and that's what's helping it grow and help, you know, go worldwide. So him and I kind of like worked off that mindset, right? And we grew with a lot of, you know, hardworking MCs from from Toronto here. And, uh, you know, we, we had a little click and a group, but I kind of absorbed all that stuff uh, from those guys. And there's like a, a, a good buddy of mine, Slank Hughes, from uh, Slankston Hughes, he's from uh, Brampton, and he's like uh, 
goes well back to Cardinal, Shell, and all that stuff. So I had like two or three degree separation from a lot of, you know, long-time talent in, in Toronto. And plus, you know, I've been around, uh, you know, a lot of live entertainment shows. So I've, I've, I know how the wheels work and stuff like that mm -hmm. as far as the, the whole entertainment part of it. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of, about 2010, I just really dug into it. And so I, I started, uh, I went to my uh, buddy's studio where uh, Puerto and I made his last album. And I started, uh, you know, working with this guy. Uh, and uh, we just started from scratch. We just got my little brother, who's like 15 years old, I threw him in the studio and he went ballistic and we got drums. And fucking, we had a bass, and then we just started bringing in like good musicians that I had known. We just brought them in, and they did their thing. <clears throat> and that was the first album I made, it was called uh, Freaks Choose. And I made it in uh, 2011, near the end of 2011. So, like, right on the needle, I released it in 2012, uh, like uh, in, in January. So, that was a very proud moment. You know, that was my first time I ever made my own album with me singing, rapping. And I was very happy. I was very, very ecstatic about it. And uh, I took that and I started hitting the open mic scenes in Toronto. And that really kind of introduced me to a lot of amazing musicians in the city. And then it just became like, an, not an addiction, but just like, a, a, you know, just like wanting more and more. And I would just play everywhere in the city in Toronto. I played all these places, open mics, and I didn't. I took the route of not really like, you know, I didn't go to battles, I didn't do, uh, I'm not really a battle rapper, I'm not really like a club guy, I'm not really like, uh, you know, I never really did those kind of uh, venues, you know what I mean? Hmm. I took the, kind of the rock and roll route, I went to like the dive bars, I went to you know, the iconic venues in Toronto and I just like pitched myself as a rapper. And it was like very, very hard because it's like they don't know where to put you in. You're like in these showcases with like, you know, rock and roll bands. And like it's quite a mix. And so, and I was doing like all my own bookings, right? So it's just like it was hard to sell myself and kind of like, you know, and, and say like, well, this is the style I am, you know what I mean? So I worked around it by like not saying the word rapper. In my in my emails, so I started getting bookings because people just listen to the music with an open state of mind without you know like the cognitive dissonance of the word rap. Mm. And then so I just like I started getting all these cool venues, and then I just started like expanding. I was had a musician buddy who started helping me. He does does all my music with me now, and we went to Montreal, so I booked a show in Montreal. And then it just grew. I just kind of like, uh, I hit the East Coast or West Coast in Canada. I went to uh, Alberta. So I started playing there. I went to Vancouver. I went uh, back to Montreal several times. Then I went to Ottawa. And then I did a huge, giant, uh, you know, East Coast trip by myself in the Maritimes. I did like eight shows there. And I was just rocking. Like I did, I think 2018, I did like 50 shows around Canada, and I was just, I was so hungry, I loved it so much, it cost me money, you know what I mean, and fortunately I had a, a good job that kind of paid for it, 
But I loved it, you know, I'd never change it for the world because, you know, I could never get that time back and that experience. And then I just kept that momentum going kind of in the 2019. And I had, you know, uh, a lot of, I started building a lot of good relationships in Montreal. I started getting like a little known in Montreal and Ottawa because they're really tight music communities, but they're kind of way smaller markets than Toronto. They're not as hyper ridiculously competitive as Toronto. So, you can get kind of jaded in Toronto, too, because it's like New York, you know what I mean? It's such a big, huge fucking entity, and everybody's coming to do their entertainment. So, it's such a like competitive field, not only for like artists in Toronto, but like in, in general, you know, you have mm-hmm. great artists from play in Toronto. So, we're always kind of like, I don't mean to complain, but we're always kind of like a second fiddle in Toronto, like local artists. So, I found my relief and joy like going around the country and it's a beautiful country like Canada is fantastic like there's so many places to go see and and, uh, and then I just started dipping my toes in the states so the very first time I ever played in the US was in Buffalo there's this place called Big Mama's house and it was like an old, old piece of shit house turned into like a really cool venue and that day my mind changed about playing music because I was treated like a musician. I was like, just loved like a musician. And, and, and I was like, that's the, like, because it's a real struggle in Canada because it's like, A, we don't have, you know, the volume of audiences for, for different artists to grow. You know what I mean? There's always a market for like, you know, you know, the regular, you know, what sells and stuff like that. But there's like, not, like in the states, you guys consume music like nobody else, and you guys have a big open mind about music like nobody else, which is amazing. So my that first show in Buffalo, I was like, I was like salivating because I had a problem like four years back on the border, and I went to like work for the Buffalo Sabers, and I didn't have um, any credentials, right? They didn't want to pay for them, so I just went over and I was too honest. I was like, I'm going for work. It's like. Not going anywhere, boy. So I had, this, <laughs> I had this phobia in my head for like four years, not going to space. I'm like, oh, they got a record. I'm like, it was nothing. It was all in my head, and I should have been going to like New York and all these places when I was hungry traveling. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's the here or there. You learn, you know. And then right at the beginning of 2020, I just started getting in the U.S. So I, me and my buddy, did a mini tour in Seattle and Portland and it was amazing. I had such a great time. We shot a music video out there. And then as soon as we got home everything stopped. Everything completely Oh sorry. Right before that I had like another little mini tour. I did like seven shows in a row, eight days. The first week of March was like all Ottawa, Montreal, uh, Quebec City and like Peterborough, all these places up uh, eastern Ontario and Quebec. And it was the first time I broke even ever on a tour by myself. So I made enough money and I broke even. All my expenses were paid for, like accommodations. I'm like, I I can do this. Like as like, you know, as a hobby, that's not going to destroy my pocketbook. I finally can do this. You know what I mean? It was finally there. Finally had it all together. <laughs> Three, 20, 20 years of all that experience, and then the, the lockdown happens. But shit happens for a reason. So that. Maybe basically in a nutshell, everything 
long, super long answer <laughs> into up into the lockdown. Room. Yeah. And it's crazy because that was like where we met then was around that time. And like we got connected and I don't even remember because I think like I probably just had sent you music or whatever and all that stuff. I think we talked about that on like the first episode. But like I I really like from the moment that we started like talking back and forth, I, I always admired just your longevity. You know what I mean? And you just showed it just there and what how you explained the whole thing is like you have been here for the long run. You know what I mean? And you're just going to get it by any means necessary. And I think that that's really a beautiful thing. And just the ability to take what you love and just continue to do it that long. That's, that's something we can all look at. And yeah, the the pandemic was such a weird time. Cause like, I think even when we did that first interview, uh, we were both kind of still on lockdown. I think the U S had opened up a little bit, but Canada was still like shut down. And then and then the last time we talked, which was on your podcast, that was around the time where DMX had passed away, and that was a really sad time, obviously, but we had great, like, hip-hop discussions and everything, but, like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a lot of these conversations we've had, it's like a lot of good's happening and a lot of, like, fucked up shit is happening at the same time. But I think that, you know, it's really a testament to just, if you just stick with it, and just keep going, you know, things can start happening, and just, I, I just want to say, you know, I, I admire, you know, that you're still doing this, and doing it at the level that you're trying to do it at, and um, I've always, I've always thought since we connected that you just have the love for the music, you know what I mean, and just the way you describe everything, I could, I could just tell, you know, the passion in your voice about it, and that's always great to hear, and I know that, you know, around that time, like 2020, you were doing, like, finishing up the AM Grinding album, and you ended up putting that out. You've done visuals yeah. for that. Um, so what was that like, trying to, you know, bring that all to fruition for what you had in mind? Did it end up coming out kind of the way that you wanted it to at the end of the day? Would you say as far as, like, maybe not how, well, maybe how it was received, but also, like, just kind of the push for it and kind of, you know, putting all the visuals with it and putting it out, did it really come out the way that you attended that first time that we talked? Um, yeah, thanks for the compliment. Thank you so much. And, I, you know, to just reiterate off that, I, I feel, as I was speaking from when I started, I feel the same passion about you. You have that passion that I always had. So that will take you all the way to my age. So you already have the fuel right now, and that's just going to take you all the way and you stop doing it mm -hmm. and kudos to you man so thank you so much for uh, saying that and uh yeah man it, it's just like well who, who the fuck knew anything right mm -hmm. it's, it's like i get momentum from touring and, and traveling that helps me complete it out like my first album kind of had it in a couple instrumentals in my pocket and experienced the g20 then I went to Italy for like a month. And I discovered my ancestors and my roots. And uh, that's where I got my logo from. My logo is the AM Grinding. Actually, do you mind if I... Here, this might work. Oh, yeah, yeah. this works. There See we that? go. Yep. It's kind of blacked out in the middle of it. I don't know why it's happening like that. Um, anyways, that's my logo of my new album, which is was kind of like changed a bit. It was like... Uh, 
Uh, here, I got a better version. Hold on one sec. I got a, a switcher I have connected to this, uh, my camera. So I can uh, uh, roll in uh, stills and stuff like that. Yeah, so this, this is a flyer I made. This, I think you've seen this. So at the bottom is that logo. And that's like um, my family's history. So my great-grandfather came uh, from Italy and it was a knife grinder. And then so I learned to do that as a kid. And uh, I learned to like sharpen knives at like 12 years old. So, you know, like anybody in this generation, that kind of, you know, a family business tradition has kind of stopped, you know, because now we're in the computer age and mm -hmm. like, and stuff like that just not around anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So my dad sold the business and I, I love the name. It was just like AM grinding stuck in my head. It's like, that's my acronym. So Alex Malacari, grinding, you know, just works. Mm. So I was like, fuck yeah. And then, so I was in Italy and that light, like I saw that statue and the light went off. Like, that's it. That's my identity. That's me. I'm the grinder. I'm the blue collar worker. I'm the fourth generation. I'm the hundred. AM grinding is 114 years old. You know, it's like, and boom, it just hit me like I was in Italy and the whole fucking album came out, like almost all of it. And then uh, on plane on the way home, I pretty much broke the rest of it. So, and then all that touring I explained earlier was um, an inspiration for the Bad Beat LP. And all that uh, open mic experience around Toronto and then everywhere I went in Europe too, I, I hit open mic. So I, I lived that fun fast life in Europe and I met amazing people I got an MC uh, uh, Red Jones from Germany we're buddies to this day we, we, we podcast we just freestyle every day we, we were a part of that uh, one time when Ryan was involved we freestyled to your beats mm -hmm. all the time and uh, so if I lived that life just like not not no cares you know what I mean I just I just like that instinct, that instinctual feeling of just like being alive and just so I spent all my money and I went to Europe and I got to play in London and Paris, and Amsterdam, and Prague and uh, Budapest. I spent a week in Budapest, um, Budapest, sorry, I should say. Um, but there's a guy from Detroit and he worked for Getty Images and so he was like, you know, my type of, you know, a person who has the same interests, you know, and he basically started an open mic scene out there. He was like the first guy to kind of like have that idea, and then he started it with some other local guy, and they started, you know, um, playing these parts. And the thing that really expanded my eclectic, you know, like palette was playing in Paris and like all these places. Like I'm, I'm going to Paris, and there's this one place that's like 1,300 years old, and it's like a cave. Got like an Excalibur sword, and it's like this is fucking awesome. I'm rapping here. I'm doing rap music, and this is like I'm bringing my hip hop. And people fucking love it. They hate it up. They just absolutely love it. Paris, they love it. It's just, it was so beautiful, and it was just like just have that nice reciprocation all over the world. And that actually, to go back to the first answer I had, was like that that reassurance that I knew where hip hop was global mm. and how much it just influenced people. Love. I met, I don't know, I ended up like in one of the roughest parts in London 
placed on a map of looks fine and I go and it's like remind remind me of like the neighborhood I kind of grew up in Toronto. I just went in for like a meat pie and like a beer and met this MC in there and we're friends still to this day, you know, it's like so I, the way I write music I kinda of, I, I learned to live that life and I kind of like portrayed that out with the music and I did very well with that, you know, yeah, I went as far as I could go with it. Uh, you know, I got attention from a lot of people. I got attention from a publicist in Montreal. We did business. He did. He did a bit of work. He helped me get some shows, but he just didn't do what I wanted to do. You know, and what I expected him to do. You know, so that was a big, huge setback for me. And you know, um, a couple things online where people ripped me off, and so it's just a lot of like huge setbacks. And when I was going to Europe, it was like woman was supposed to do like you know social media for me and she kind of ripped me off and and she hooked me up with like a, a website guy and i had focus.com and i was fucking bitching and fucking that guy ripped me off and and uh, you know and he used my credit card for like to open up another account so I, it's like all this shit that just didn't need to happen for me right mm -hmm. so and i had to unravel all that and then Coming out of that, there was a guy who wanted a Sony one to talk to me. And so we had these meetings, and they said they were interested in talking, and I just looked at the deal, and I didn't like it. It was one of those 360 deals, you know. Like, and I have a lawyer, or not a lawyer, but my music guy, he's like basically like a copyright lawyer, so I gave it to him. He's like, yeah, that's ownership. And then, so I know a lot of people in, in television and production, so they work in music. Everybody works as in a band or a musician, too. And I worked with this audio tech guy. I'm like, you know, this guy from Sony, and he's like, oh yeah, he's a fucking crook. And he's like, there's he's ripped off so many people. There's a documentary about him. And I'm like, oh man, I knew it. I just had this feeling like I went into his office, and he's like one of those guys that's fucking beat up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just like one of those. It's a good uh, thing. It's a good thing you had like the reference to go to, though. Be like, yeah, yeah is this who yeah. I think it is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. it is who it is. And yeah. then, but I also get, it also gave me some, like, you know, confidence and some, you know, cockiness because mm -hmm. I'm like, people are interested in me. Just, even if they want to rip me off, they're still kind of interested in me. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and there was like a, a logo design guy. He fucking lost his mind over my logo. He's like, that's an amazing logo. And I told him the story. He's like, that's even better, you know? So I kind of got, you know, reassurance to, from. 10 years ago, like, not, not even, like, liking my voice or, like, took me a long time to even look up at people when I was performing, too. So, it's mm -hmm. like, that that was really hard for me to do because, you know, my music's kind of chill, but if you're not really looking at people and engaging in the audience, they're kind of, you know, kind of lose them. So, I, I learned a lot of that, and now, it's weird because the... All of the, I felt like I was some sort of artist and I had done a lot right up into the lockdown, but it, it just kind of like humbled me big time. And it was just like, it was a huge break and it was like, no, there's, there's still a lot of shit you need to work on and to be an all time, you know? Uh, oh, it's just 10 minutes left. Yeah. So, if it cuts um, off, we can just restart it. I'll just keep this thing okay. recording. So, yeah, so going into the pandemic, I had pretty much done my whole album. 
Roger and I had sat down for a few sessions and we just banged out basically most of the album. You know, I had done the drums and the bass like year, a year and a half ago. I really kind of spaced out and procrastinate when I make an album. So I do chunks at a time. So we did that and we kind of basically had all of it done, right? And then I went on tour and I tried, the first time ever, I tried uh, incomplete songs out on the road. So that was a huge, huge help for me out because getting people's reactions like oh oh yeah I do like this song this is a good song this is yeah people are bopping to it it was cool because I did it in Seattle and like Portland so it was like huge check mark I was like fucking Seattle (laughs) people are amazing musicians out there so that really gave me huge momentum to finish off the and grinding and I had most like all the lyrics were pretty much done and then the lockdown hit, and I was like, wanted to record it at home by myself, just because you know, we were all limited. And then I was like, I got all the time in the world, so I'm still gonna chill on this. And then I waited, and then I kind of like, you know, got myself better. I got like healthier, and I was trying to you know, read more and get my head clear and mm-hmm. all this shit. We were just kind of getting our head all around all this, you know, lockdown shit. And then so I started to go back to my buddy, he's my engineer. We just started Monday to Friday, we were doing all the lyrics. So I didn't smoke weed all week. And I went in into like complete business. Like, and then so we just fucking hammered it out day after day, just like doing like 12, 15 takes of each, each verse, just, just, and Dave's like one of those guys, like, yeah, that's, that's good. Let's patch, patch. I'm like, no. It's got to be perfect all the way through. I don't punch. I never punched it. Uh, that's a good, you know, editing tool. But it's like my my mind is like if you can't do it live, you should do it. You should. I I agree with like a whole bunch of facts and bridges and cool stuff, and, and you can still kind of reiterate that live. But the punching thing is just like I was like, no, I I should have breath for the for the whole verse, or that's that's as long as the first songs. So I got some really good rapping, and I was very proud of this album, and I was very proud of the writing, and, and Roger really solidified a term that we use forever now, lightning in a bottle. So we, I'm always ready when we record, and Roger comes over, and he's like, we're recording right now. So we're like, I get, and most of our tracks are like this first or second tape, so I don't mess around. I'm, I have levels set, everything's good to go and he's like usually we bang it out like two takes and it's like he plays straight through and uh so he like he's a good portion of this album and it really like brought out the you know david gilmore um pink floyd influences that we both have into this album and we just i had a pure rock drummer do all the drums and he's just like a pure like stone temple pilots type of dude an amazing musician. So he started it off with some really kick-ass bass, or sorry, some drums. And my inten- I did have a lot of intentions going into this album. It's like, I want an album where people can move their feet, dance, really love instrumental, like positive, you know, get it, it would just make you, you know, feel good. But the lyrics are still there, and the bars are still there. I've never, never replaced the bars, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just like you know, 
Amp's approach to doing a lot of pop instrumentals with bars and the lyrics. So I'll never, and then I work harder on the bars and the lyrics than ever. So I'm like super proud of those and keep up with like fast BPM. Like a lot of the, a lot of the tracks that help have fast BPM. So I felt it was important to have like an almost a short album and that's all I came up with. I just like got a gas. Really. Mm-hmm. I was like, so I came up with seven tracks. Seven tracks were just like perfect. It was just like perfect fit, kind of like you know, like a rock and roll album. What's going on, everyone? Just wanted to take a quick minute out of today's episode to let you guys know about the sponsor for this summer, Cali Audio. Uh, Cali Audio has been around since 2018. They've been providing incredible audio products to music creators, producers, artists, pretty much everyone in between. Uh, shout out to Nate Baglio. So I actually got in contact with him uh, earlier this year. He's the head of marketing over there, and he hooked me up with some LP8s, which I've been using. Uh, very great audio quality. Um, really excited to be able to finally have monitors for myself to be able to create, uh, especially being a producer as well. Uh, they're going to come in handy. I really recommend you guys go check them out. Uh, that's Cali Audio, K-A-L-I audio.com. You'll be able to see their full lineup of products. Very affordable, um, very great build quality as well. I'm very impressed with the LP8s. So I can imagine the LP6s and all the other monitors are very good quality as well. Um, so go check them out. And just wanted to remind you, we have a giveaway coming at the end of the summer in August um, where I'll be giving away a pair of the LP8s to one lucky contestant. And I'm looking forward to, you know, doing that and gifting the great sounds of Cali Audio to someone else um, because I think that's a really great thing to have, especially if you don't have monitors or anything. Once again, big shout out to them. Really appreciate them for even getting back in contact with me. Uh, So go check them out. Um, But for now, let's get back into the episode. And uh, yeah, and there's a song at the end called Challenge Accepted that I'm really most proud of the writing with this one because it's like it solidifies what the album really is. It's kind of just like it's a, an ode to the generation, you know. And I had this idea of the song already of what what the theme kind of was going to be. I just didn't know how or when I was going to do it. So that's that's part of your question too. It's like you don't. Like you've got, you kind of go in with the structure, and then all these gems just pop out because you're just ready. And this gem popped out, and I remember waking up like I do these things called like two sleeps, where I go to bed early, and then I'll wake up in the middle of the night and do just like writing whatever comes to my mind. So mm-hmm. this song came out immediately, and it was just like kind of a metaphorical song about uh, you know the struggles of my our grandfathers and anybody else that had like. People had family that had up left their country for poverty or whatever reasons or war, and, and it was just like um, you know struggle to, for a better life, and just like you know it's gonna be better for the next generation and the next generation. So it's like um, my uh, great grandfather came over from Italy, and they had like five kids here, and like another kid in Italy, but like three survived, you know. And uh, two of them died of this ear infection. It was called like a mastoid infection. So it's basically like liquid builds up on the back of your skull and like basically you know, crushes throughout. So mm-hmm. they both died at like an early age. So I got this same disease at like seven years old, right? 
And at that time, I'll never forget it because I was in the hospital for like a month. And uh, this is when the Challengers shuttle exploded. So, <laughs> so that's what, late 80s probably, right? 86, yeah. yeah. Just when that blew up. And i never forget that. And so I wrote this song in the middle of the night. And I was like, I survived this. I had this mastoid infection when I was seven, I almost died. Basically, like, if I had not lived in, you know, the age of modern medicine, I'd probably be dead at seven, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I thought of that, and I thought of the sacrifice my grandfather made to leave and to take a chance. So, maybe not going to work out, you don't have to keep surviving, but, you know, it does make it better for your next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So, I thought of that same metaphor as like the astronauts, you know, like those were the first, like, you know, other than the, you know, the seventies and the eighties was really astonishing because it was just like a new age of like, of more excitement. And that basically that shuttle, not, it didn't kill it, but it was like, it was like, okay, we've got to learn from these mistakes. And, and unfortunately those are the people that were kind of, Sacrifice that they would never do that like that again. They never did, right? But it was like it was kind of a light went off where it's like everything that's ever happened in humanity, like somebody's had to die to try it first, right? Like it's like, and then you know we learn from that, we go, go. So I felt you know this same parallel of immigrants coming over. And it's a new life as the same as plate space exploration, right? Same thing, almost in a way. And uh, and I kind of reflected it into the story when I was seven years old in the hospital, surviving. So I found like that was my survival of being alive to be today to, to have the experience, right? So that was like almost like a deep underlining, uh, you know universal thing that's going to go through all lives, something like the music just connected it all. And then, and then it hit me after, I'm like, that's that song I wanted. That's that exactly. And it was like a conclusion or like almost like a, a sequel to the last song I had in my last album, Gamma Ring. So it just like felt like it was going in nice. And then we started this, the album off song called Relaunch, and basically it's like, it just, it was beautiful, it's like, I can't relaunch my career because coming out of this pandemic, it was just like, and it was one of, one of the last ones that we finished, it was with my friend Leah, and she's from Montreal, and she's like a phenomenal artist, and she started this you know, movement in Montreal, doing older shows in the park, and she's just on another level, and so I got her, she's only feature on the album and she just destroyed it. She like I sent her this beat and and um, she it just takes a long time for something like I'm like that too. It takes a long time to, to get something right and then she finally sent me stuff, stamps of her vocals and she gave me like it was all over the place. There was nothing mapped, right? But I basically edited all her vocals in one night. I was so excited I just like like, like, I layered it, and I had basically, like, 
basically had the mix. So I added it all and then arranged it and I had basically had the mix. So I had like all her double ups, all her bridges, all her everything I made her I, I found chunks that made that the hook. And then so the hook is like uh, her back her and I back and forth like I do two parts of the hook and she does two parts of the hook. So it's like it's interesting ways to do the hook. And then uh, the second song was my favorite was the papers. I wrote it when all I had was a pen and paper. Like I, like, I started over, I, I went to uh, this town called Dunville, which is like near Buffalo. It's like pretty close to the Niagara border. It's like an hour away. And uh, I just like started over. Started from scratch. I had nothing. I had like a blow up mattress. I had like a desk with all my computer gear with like a, my carrot carry speakers and I had like Bolo's of lyrics and I had like fucking nothing but time. I was just like painting at my uncle's house, just, like living kind of that detached life and I think all the distractions melted away. One day I came home and I just wrote this song on the papers and I was just like, this is great, man. I love this. Mm-hmm. And I love the hook, it's just like it reminded me of like because Ben I used to hang around with I used to hang around and just come up with hooks and so we just have fun. That's how we would come up with the hooks and I love it because it just solidified what we were going through. And I had wrote it right before, wrote it before the pandemic. And it was like, papers, papers, rolled up, papers, smoke in the sky, pass you later. And I was like, this is exactly what's going on. They're going to rewrite history into a digital form. And I'm like, it's all in a metaphor of smoking a joint, rolling up a joint. And uh, yeah, and then uh, the third song, Fear is uh, like a really fast song. That's my buddy, Japanese buddy, Yusuke. He played guitar on it. It was mental. And uh, I had wrote this... Um, I, I go to Dominican Republic a lot, so I've been there quite a bit. I'm like a little tiny minor celebrity in one little town, so they like bump my music around at the local pubs. It's fun. So this, this guy approached me. This kid wanted to work with me. I guess he was like... Five or six, like a, a trap artist, right? And I had always wanted to do like you know Spanish, like I had been there when reggaeton started blowing up and just kind of bringing my friends back. CDs, like listen to this shit. Like I was hearing Daddy Yankee stuff before any of that ever fucking came out. I was like back in the early two thousands going to fucking Dominican and like hearing that exploding and just like bringing CDs back here and giving it to my friends. And anyway, so there's this kid who wanted to work with me and I was like yeah yeah I'm down he's got like a studio full doors down so but I'm very professional I don't fuck around I don't fuck around people's time I don't waste people's time I don't like to like blow people off I just think it's very unprofessional and just very unproductive and I've worked with a lot of other rappers where just kind of they, they kind of rub me the wrong way because it's not not all I'm just saying like some of them show up late for shows they don't sound checks they don't they don't do this so i just don't i didn't deal with them anymore and i hadn't worked with rappers in the studio too much it's the same thing it's like pay for studio time you show up late i'm not calling you out again you know, we're not going to work together again um but this guy i waited for him he didn't come around it's like you know i didn't hear from him the whole night the next day i went by his friend i was like where are you second time another time 
you know, third time, I was like, forget it, you know, and uh, I was walking down this guy, he's like, Danny wants to meet you in five minutes, I'm like, no, I don't do this, and at the same time, I want everything to be legit, I want my, my lyrics to be published, I want the, that separated, and then want all the lyrics to be, I want the instrumentals to be clear, I don't want to be involved with, like, shit somebody else owns, and shit like that, mm-hmm. I, I already been in the studio with Ben, we made this whole album, it was unbelievable, and, and we were in the studio with the guy who made the beats, and we found out then and there, as we were mastering, that it didn't belong to him. So oh. We made this cool album, like, can't So it was so, anyway, so I had been down that road before, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to invest time in this kid, but I wrote, I, I tested myself, I'm like, hey, and I, Maybe I can do it. I'm an old guy, but I can see if I can rap to like a 130 trap beat, right? Mm-hmm. And I did. I wrote something like fucking really good, and I wrote it like it was like bar hungry, right? So I, I put it on the back burner for a while, right? And I was just, and that's when I really started to like write the beat down of what I wrote. So I put it away aside for a while. And then this, this instrumental came up with my buddy from Japan, and I just sandwiched them together. They worked perfect. So I didn't even change any words. Nothing changed. It was like locked in. And it was just like, it's slowly becoming one of my favorite songs. And it's like a short song. It's like 2.30. So there's a lot of energy. And then uh, four songs called Sunglass Tapples, like really upbeat. That's that, uh, you know, the horns, layered horns. So it's like really a lot of fun. And it's like, kind of a metaphor, it's like half full, so it's like the song in the middle. So it's kind of like... And then the, the, the next one I'm really, really proud of is called True Story, Fool's Glory. And it's like a ballad, really, of like the darker side of all the past nightlife and all that other stuff that comes with music scene, right? And that's, that's part of the longevity, too, of like, you know, that... Drinking and smoking and fucking and, and staying up late at night and, and just it wears on you, man. Because, like I said, I went out to all these open mics, you end up having a few beers, you know, you drink, you end up too drunk home by yourself, you know, it's a lot of dark shit, too, right? So, also, trying to play drunk. I don't know if, like, too many musicians they can do it because, you know, it's like, in a room or a pocket but to rap drunk is embarrassing and it doesn't work for many people at all. I I would you know, anybody, no matter how skilled you are, I think a little too much alcohol you're not it's not it's just and all the pros, I guarantee you none of them drink. Zero. Like all these guys do big giant shows, big artists, I guarantee you don't drink at all. Anyway, so that's what that's about. True story, fool's glory is like that, you know, that ego, fueling ego of like, you can crush shit and still fucking do a good show. It's like, no, no, you're just embarrassing yourself. So that was the song, was based out of that. And then we had this song called um, Take It to the Lap, which was great. And uh, we made this really cool instrumental. And it was like, uh, Remind me like a really cool Kid Cudi song, like a, you know, like uh, this Lonely Stoner, like his first hit song, uh, Day and Night. 
is all that practice. So now I'm ready again to start making new albums. So it's like, instead of traveling, I travel more, you know, mentally around the world. And I connect more with a lot more artists than you. And that was a cool experience, you know. And it broadened my foundation. And it's helping big time to help get on the road again. Again, 
completely opened my mind again and listened back to albums again that gave me that perspective. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, like, that's what keeps me kind of going and driving too as well at the same time. It's just like, you know, sharing my experiences and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Beautiful. Yeah, that, that album was great. Yeah. <laughs> I like no, dude, I, I'm telling you, I love these type of episodes where I can just sit back and let the guests kind of give their, you know, piece yeah. and everything. And, like, I really think it's just a testament to, like, the full circle moment of life and everything. And like you said, you got to kind of just let things come to you. And I think you really did that with this album and everything and what you said you've learned from, you know, your previous projects and now what you're channeling into the next project and everything and just – really just going through it and, you know, channeling that into something positive and something creative and everything. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, the next album and whatever you got coming up and everything. And the beats as well, man. I, I, I want to apologize for, you know, even falling off of sending them. Uh, if you want me no, to send more, no, no. you know. Don't but, apologize at all, man. No, the, like you, I, I sat, I was sitting on a lot of them and we talked about yeah. You know, doing some, you know, you, you want, I know, because, you know, people show interest and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't want to be a hoarder. You, you use whatever ones you want. And then I already, I have like two or three. I think the Glamour one, I, I want to hold on to that one. There's like maybe one or two that I want for sure. But yeah, I'll let you know which one's for sure. And if they're taken, by all means, don't worry about it. Don't worry about holding any for me. And, and viewers, Anthony has sent me like, 300 fucking beats <laughs> but there's a lot to choose from and i you know thank you so much for having the energy to, to enthusiasm and send me those i really appreciate it yeah but yeah i just feel like you know we're caught up and that's just life and i just had to put everything on hold for a bit you know get out of debt and just kind of do my thing mm-hmm. and now i feel like i'm in a good space where i can really take all that you know the lyrics that i made from two years and just start you know even if i don't use them you know, some, somehow to start whipping up the salad. Yeah, 100%, yeah. man. And, and like I said, I'm always open to sending more whenever you want them and everything. I'm just I'm just excited to be a part of it. And I like I said, I really appreciate you for joining me today, man, and really just yeah. giving yeah. me the full recap because I know it's been a while and we got to connect yeah. more often, obviously. Um, just let me know whenever you want to do something like this again, man. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate it, man. And thanks for talking to me. And that's Thanks for listening, everyone. That was episode 111. We'll be back this time next week. Stay tuned on our Instagram page for details. Next week, we will be giving away a pair of Cali Audio speakers, the LP8 V2s. One lucky winner will be getting those speakers sent to them. Uh, but until next week, obviously, we'll see you then. And thanks for listening, guys.